Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Welcome back, everybody. This is Lucas, uh, your host with my co-host here, Christopher Klein, our producer, Uriah Young, and a, a regular guest, one of our contributors, Jonathan Guy. Hey, guys, how are we doing tonight? Doing well. Yeah, doing well, thanks. Awesome, awesome. What have you guys been up to this week? Well, I've uh, just been getting ready for the next semester. I, I moved back to Athens this week into the dorms, just getting ready for school and stuff. Uh, but yeah, that's about it. I went skiing for the past uh, seven days. I think I was up in the Poconos, so it was a nice getaway. Ooh, I like the Poconos. Awesome. That's a fun little area up there. Yeah, yeah it's I'm, good. Yeah, I'm jealous of the, the ski trip. I haven't been skiing in a long time. Although I did go ice skating yesterday down at the, the rink on uh, Delaware Avenue. And uh, had a nice time. Had a good time. What about you, Lucas? Before I get into what I, I got to say, Jonathan, I had uh, my stepmom's great uncle lived up in Poconos, and he lived near a little lake there, so he had a boat, and that was pretty fun to go out there during the summer. Um, but for me personally, uh, I, I started back up uh, working at the school that I work at. Um, a paraprofessional there right now, but I'm actually found out because I have a college degree, I can get a provisional teaching license and start teaching there pretty uh, as soon as next year if I wanted to, and if they wanted to have me there as a teacher. Uh, so that would be cool, and I think I'm I think I might go that route to be honest. So that would be uh, that's a big career change for me. I mean, I'm still going to be doing this. Don't get me wrong, but you know, that's a that's a big step. Well, good luck. I mean, that, that sounds exciting. Yeah, these young minds out here, Lucas, need a, a good dude like you leading them in the classroom. So good luck to you. I appreciate that. I do. Um, but, you know, let's uh, shift gears because there's a lot of stuff that happened with this in, in the NBA, but particularly the Sixers this past week. So, Chris, go ahead. Take it away for us. Yeah, a lot to talk about. We're going to start off with just some brief takeaways from the four games that happened this past week. We're going to start off with the Hornets game. This was the second time they played each other in a three-game span. The Sixers won 118-101. to uh, John, you can go first. What was your big takeaway from that game? Yeah, so the thing that stood out to me from the Hornets game was the defense. They played great. Uh, They held the Hornets to below 42% for the whole game for field goal percentage, and they forced 16 turnovers, which is how I think this team is going to make wide margins in their their winning victory. So I think that's the way they have to go. Uh, For me personally, I'm going to have to say um, kind of like I'll talk more about this when we talk about the – the Nuggets game, but Dakota Mathias, he's a, he, he can score the ball. The kid can score the ball in four minutes. He got it up three shots, two foul shots, had eight points in that time span. The, the two-way contract guy, Dakota Mathias, he, he has a little bit of game and he, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. He's a four-year player out of uh, Purdue, correct? So he has that little older edge. He, he's a little bit more seasoned and that's what you can get with these guys, seniors coming out, you know, 
they can be a little bit more and be ready to contribute right away, if even if they don't have as high as the ceiling. For sure, and I'll just go with Tobias. I think he led the team in scoring this game with 22. That was kind of him at the peak of that hot streak, that early season hot streak that he's been on. I mean, this is this season has pretty much been the best basketball we've seen out of Tobias since he got to Philadelphia, and I think that game was a really good example of that. And we'll move on now to the Wizards game. The Sixers won that one, 141 to 136. Not exactly a, a defensive showcase. Uh, John, what was your main takeaway there? Yeah, they won the game, which is always good. But my takeaway there was it, what I've said before is that they just can't guard like stellar elite opposing guards, usually shooting guards. It's Kemba, it's Devin Booker, and here it was Beal going off for 60. I think there's got to be someone. Josh Richardson kind of helped it a little bit last year. But, I mean, guards can go off against the Sixers, and they got to figure out how to stop it. I'm going to take a positive note here and say that Seth Curry, man, he, he, if he shoots like this, like, I mean, he's not going to shoot as well, but if he's willing to take 14 shots a game, like Chris wrote in an article last week, I believe it was Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but Seth Curry needs to act like he's one of the best shooters in the game. And this game, he definitely acted like it. He went 11 from 14 from the field, 6 of 7 from the foul line, and, and had a total of 28 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, only 1 turnover, plus 16, which is the highest of all the Sixers. I think it's actually the highest of the whole game. Yeah, highest of the whole game. Difference maker right there. Yeah, aside from what Jonathan mentioned with Beal going off for 60, I think you can pin that on maybe Doc for not switching Ben on to Beal at some point. But I, I think the main takeaway is that the Sixers were on that a really hot shooting streak. As you mentioned, Curry, Lucas, they, they were just hitting all sorts of shots. It's, it's not often that you can give up 60 to someone and still win the game. Uh, but on the, the more negative end of that is just defensively, they've been on a bit of a slide lately. They started the year at the top of the league in defensive rating and so forth, but I mean, 136 points. Granted, Washington is a pretty good offensive team, but 118 to Charlotte, 122 to the Nets game, which we're about to get to. They, they've been a little bit worse uh, for wear on that end, so I think that's something that's going to need to improve in the near future. And we'll move on to that Nets game. John, what was your big takeaway there? I don't want to sound like fully negative when we're talking about the Sixers, because I know they have the NBA lead leading re- lead league leading record but i mean they look sluggish in the back-to-back it's a disappointing loss to take to the nets when they don't have irving or durant so it was tough to watch them have some like sloppy turnovers but i I think when uh they match up later in the season against the nets and play durant and uh, irving on the floor i think we'll see hopefully a more motivated team so there's a couple things that i took away from this game I'll just highlight them very quickly. Steph Curry, Seth Curry's shooting was missing. Shake Milton's not the shooter that Seth is. And Shake struggled from the three-point line. He only made one of four shots. That was a big deal. Simmons and Embiid both were struggling with injury in this game. And I think that's plus playing to the back-to-back, like Jonathan said, is just, you know, I think that contributed to this loss. The injuries plus the lack of Seth Curry. So I think um, those were some major tells in this in this matchup for sure and i think again i think a lot of people have been kind of underwhelmed with ben simmons to start this season hasn't really shown any progress in areas that people wanted to see progress uh this was just not a good game from him 11 points four rebounds two assists 
even when you separate him from those James Harden rumors, we've talked about those time and time again on the podcast. Like they really do need more out of him on a more consistent basis if they're going to truly contend. If he's going to be that number two guy next to Joel, then he, he really has to step up and be more aggressive, especially as a scorer, getting to the rim, absorbing contact, all that stuff we've talked about time and time again on this podcast. He needs to start doing it um, in order to really maximize his potential. And we will round out this segment talking about that Nuggets game. A bit of a weird one. Not not your normal Sixers experience, at least not from the past few seasons. Uh, John, what was your main takeaway there? Well, I'll let someone else touch on Maxi, but I, I loved uh, Dwight Howard's play. I thought he played great on the defensive end. He brought energy. And in general, he's just a good leader that this team really hasn't had. And I thought he showed... I just thought he had a great game all around playing with the young guys and, and showing that he can be a quality backup uh, when Embiid needs minutes to take off. I'm going to go with the rookie here, Dakota Mathias. The kid can, he can play in an NBA rotation. He can shoot the ball. He, he had five assists in this game playing 41 minutes. So that's a little high, but the guy, the kid can play in an NBA rotation as a spot up shooter um, he won two of five from the three point line, five of 15 from the floor. Not great, but not terrible. 12 points. I think, and even against the, I think it was the Nets. Yeah, the Nets, he had, no, not the Nets, sorry, the Wizards. Against the Wizards, he played, uh, no, not the Wizards, I'm sorry, the Hornets. Keep on messing myself up here. Yeah, like I said, against the Hornets, he had eight points in four minutes. And then against the Nets, he had, he played 13 minutes in that one, too. So, like, the kid can play. I think he's going to get on an NBA deal at some point. Maybe if they get off of Terrence Ferguson's deal, maybe they sign him to a regular NBA deal. I don't see. I I just think he could he could be a steal as an undrafted free agent. I think he maybe not on the level of Duncan Robinson, but like as a you know guy off the bench that can you know stretch the floor for sure. I think Dakota Mathias can be that guy for the Sixers. For sure, and I think the obvious standout from this game, obviously, um, was Maxi for sure but we're going to talk about him later. I'll point out another young shooter in Isaiah Joe. Ended up only 3 of 11 from deep in that game, but started off really hot, looked really confident for stretches early on. I I think he's going to be a really good player. I had him in, I gave him a first round grade before the draft. I think injuries kind of held him back in the eyes of a lot of teams, but the, the dude can shoot. He's very confident. He attempted like 11 per game in 36 minutes at Arkansas. Got to play over 40 minutes in that game due, obviously, to the roster shortage. And he was very clearly unafraid to let it fly. So I think that was a very promising, uh, really, essentially a first taste for for Joe in regular season action. And uh, I think we're going to see more of that um, at different points in the season. So now we're going to shift gears. We're going to talk about the national media attention that the Sixers got, not not regarding the COVID outbreak on the team, but regarding their play, particularly, I'm going to start with Jonathan here. Jonathan, how has the play of Embiid and Simmons given the team the best record in the NBA? What, what do you think they're doing that has helped the team get to where they're at now? Well, I don't know if it's necessarily the two of them. I think it's the team built around them. I think you can see that they're playing very similar games to what they've been doing in years past, it's just they have more space to work with because we have more dangerous shooters out on the floor. I think recently I saw some uh, graphic that came across the screen during one of their games. They're playing, I think, five to six more minutes 
to, per game together than they did last year. So they're on the floor more, which some people thought was detrimental to their development and detrimental to the team as a whole. But it seems like as they can play well together, as long as you surround them with the right cast that supports their strengths. Yeah, I tend to agree with everything you said, John. I think the personnel has really boosted the play of Embiid particularly. I think Simmons has done a better job playing off of Embiid, playing off ball, cutting, occupying defenders in the paint in a way that isn't actively harmful to Embiid. And just Curry, him and Embiid already have developed really nice chemistry. Danny Green knows how to play with big guys. He's played with Anthony Davis, Tim Duncan, even guys like Hawaii and Marcus Gasol who have kind of played out of the post before. Danny Green is someone with a lot of experience in a role like this, and I think that's clearly been helpful. And like you said, I mean, I, I don't really know if this is anything above average from Joe and Ben. I mean, this is kind of who they are. Joe's a top 10, borderline top 10 player every year. Ben is doing what Ben does best. It's just that the personnel around them fits better. It's accentuating their talent more, and the early success uh, speaks for itself. I'm going to take a slightly different approach on this. Honestly, like defensively, this is one of Ben's best seasons. I think we can both agree that like he's taken a step up, especially when in terms of like rim protection. But offensively, you know, you, he's he's not scoring as much. He's not getting the you know as you know he's not averaging nearly as many as assists as he used to. I mean, he's rebounding more great, but like, it seems like he's becoming more of a playmaking four than a point guard. Just basically, if you look at the stats, like, you know, but I, I will say like Embiid and like you guys said, the team built around them accentuates their, their, their gifts. And honestly, like I said, I think, I feel like this is Ben Simmons. If, if he doesn't want to be involved and I wrote about this in the past, if Ben Simmons doesn't want to be involved and James Harden trade rumors. He needs to step up his game, and he's done the opposite of that, in my opinion. I think, and you know, I don't know if it's because he's just not being. It feels like he's not nearly being as aggressive, and he's not. I feel like the ball's out of his hands a little bit more, and I mean, maybe that's because you got Curry, you have Max, you have Milton, actual playmakers that can be a threat scoring wise. It just feels like Ben is a little off this year. But uh, let me let me change subjects here a little bit. We have to talk about Doc Rivers. You know, he's the guy that the Sixers brought in. How much credit do you think Rivers deserves for this this new the Sixers team that's one of the best teams in the NBA in terms of record early on in the season? I'd give him a good amount of credit. I mean, I was always one who didn't dislike Brett Brown. I thought he was a, a good coach, but it comes a point where you can't be the, the coach that takes you to the promised land of a championship, can't be the one who – suffered through all those bad years together. The players just don't view him the same way. So I think we needed someone who had experience, veteran presence, and knows how to control a team, and Doc's exactly that. But I, I think I would give more credit to the front office and the roster construction. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think Daryl Morey deserves a ton of credit for what he's been able to do in a fairly short amount of time. But also, of course, Doc deserves credit. I, I, too, was a pretty big fan of Brett Brown. I don't think he was an actively harmful coach or anything. I think he did a fine job and was handed a pretty bad deck of cards. But Doc, while he hasn't been perfect, you know, rotation-wise, substitution-wise, he's not perfect. Doc has never really been a perfect coach. But he, he has done a pretty good job of getting guys to buy into their roles. He's gotten the most out of Tobias that we've seen 
from any coach that Tobias has had over his career. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that Harris is playing more decisively and shooting as well as he is. I think that's just something that Doc Rivers has up his sleeve that really speaks to Tobias. And, I mean, Joe, too, is playing, again, the best basketball of his career. A lot of that is roster construction. But a lot of that is is Doc instilling the confidence in Joel to pass and to do the things that he's doing in the post. So I, I do think Doc deserves quite a bit of credit for the Sixers' quick start. Um, I'm gonna, yeah, I think you guys are hit the nail on the head. I think you know he's definitely gets a fair amount of credit. Him and Daryl Morey both. Uh, we talked about this when Doc was hired. He definitely gets his players to buy into his role. You see that with Seth. You see that with Joel. You see that with Tobias. You see that with Danny Green. You see that with Dwight. You see that with Maxi. Uh, Shake Milton's kind of inconsistent sometimes, and we'll get into that in a minute. But like, you know, overall, he's been buying to his role as a sixth man, and like Ben Simmons definitely is buying to his role defensively, offensively. Eh, it's a work in progress, but overall, like Doc Rivers deserves a lot of credit because he's getting the players to play healthy, you know, at their max potential in the role that he pictures them to be, and they're doing well in it, and it's working out for the team perfectly. All right, and we're going to switch gears again here. We're going to talk about a few players that have maybe stood out particularly over these past few games. We're going to start with Shake Milton, who you mentioned, Lucas, a little bit inconsistent, but he has had some great games this past stretch. Scored 24 in that Nets game with seven assists. John, what has impressed you most with Shake Milton? Shake's ability to get to the basket is pretty impressive for a young guy. He can create his own shot and get to the hoop. Almost at will. I mean, it, and the way he finishes when he gets to the hoop is is very impressive for a guy uh, that young. And I just think that his development is coming along as expected. I think we saw the maybe not the ceiling, but but it was projecting what he could be when we saw that streak of about ten games last year when Ben was hurt. So I'm really impressed with just how he gets to the hoop. Yeah, for me. Shake, I, I, it's going to actually have to be his playmaking. In the last five games, he's had six or more assists in three of them. Um, and he's only had a total of, let's see here, nine turnovers. No, my mistake. Um, yeah, nine turnovers in those five games. That's not bad, guys. Um, I think I think the playmaking is coming along much better than what we had expected this month alone. He's averaging 4.3 assists a game. Um, and he's averaging about 17 points. Like you said, his ability to get to the basket, three point shooting is much to be desired. We know Shea can shoot better. He's having a rough time. Maybe it's the, you know, added responsibility of playmaking, but maybe with the emergence of Maxi, he can be more of an off guard, which I think would be better for him in terms of his shooting for sure. But, um, you know, I think being a, not being a point guard is just better for him in general. So, um, but yeah, I'm going to have to say his playmaking this season has improved a lot. Yeah. I think Sheik, he hasn't done anything above and beyond. I think he's done a lot of what people expected from him after last season and after what he showed us in the preseason. But I think the biggest takeaway for me is just that added muscle something he talked about in the offseason. He's absorbing contact more. He's defending a lot better than he has in the past. Last season, obviously, most notably. He, you know, those are the areas specifically where he's really going to have to continue getting better if he wants to take that next leap into, like, a starting caliber, reliable number two or three score, if that's where his ceiling is. 
He's really going to have to finish at a high level inside and draw fouls, and he's going to have to defend better than he has. So I, I think we've seen really promising growth in those areas, and I would, I, I would hopefully expect that to continue. And we're going to talk now about Tobias. John, I think this has, again, been Tobias's best stretch of basketball since joining the Sixers through nine games. He's averaging 19 points, eight rebounds on 51% shooting from the field and 45% shooting from deep. Uh, what has been your biggest takeaway with him, John? What has impressed you um, with Tobias? Yeah, well, I think you said it best earlier when you were saying how Doc Rivers is getting the best out of Tobias and, and knows how to push him and have him succeed. I obviously still don't think he's living up to the contract that he got paid. Uh, and after last season, I think that just this short stretch is hard to say that this is how he's going to be for the rest of the year, but I'm hopeful. I mean, he started off the year with a couple of rusty games, but it looks like he's back and playing at the level we saw when he was the Clippers. So I, I'm just hoping it can remain consistent, but I'm impressed with his shooting percentage so far. He's, he's a great Great addition with Ben and Joel. So for me, it's two things. And the first one I'll just touch on very quickly is three-point shooting percentage. Like Chris said, it's about 45%. It's 44.7 on the season. He's only shot below 40% in games twice this year. The first game against the Wizards where he failed to convert any of them. And the, his most recent game against the Nets where he went one of four. Otherwise, he shot above 40% in every uh, other one of his games. Uh, the other thing that I got to say here, and I'm surprised neither one of you guys said this, is his defense. Like last year, Tobias Harris took a step in the right direction, went from being below average defender being to an average defender. Now, I, I think it's fair to say that he's he's a good defender. Like he's he's averaging about a block a game and 1.1 steals per game, which I think is close to his career high in steals, if not his career high um, so far He's an active defender. He's, I mean, granted, he's defending more power forwards, which is probably the position he should be defending. And he's playing well. He's an engaged defender. He's, you know, taking pride on that side of the ball. And I think that's something that we really hadn't seen from Tobias Harris until this season. So I think that's a positive for sure. Definitely. I think he has taken a pretty big step forward defensively. We'll see if he keeps that up. And you mentioned consistency, John. I, Obviously, the shooting percentages are going to come down at some point. He's going to have some lulls. He's going to have some cold spells. But I do think it's that mentality, that decisiveness, those quick drives, those quick swing passes that really weren't happening last season or even the first couple of games this season. Someone flipped a switch. Either he did, Doc did, Joe did. I, I don't know. But something's flipped, and he, he's playing a much more beneficial brand of basketball. He's playing in a way that really complements Joe and Ben. If he continues to do that, I mean, the numbers aren't that spectacular. He's only averaging 19 a game. That 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 in and of itself isn't something we, you know, isn't that different from what we've seen from him in the past. But it's the mentality that has changed. And I think, you know, if that continues, we're going to probably have a pretty good year out of Tobias. Again, he's probably not going to make the all-star game. He's probably not going to live up to that contract. But if he can look the part of a, a quick and smart third wheel next to Joe and Ben, Philly's going to have a chance to make some real noise in the East. Well, well hold up, hold up. Before before you to get to Maxi, let, let me just say this. I think he does have a chance to get there. If the Sixers keep a top rank in the East as number one or number two seed, and he's averaging close to 20 points per game, If let, let's just say he averages 20 points per game because 
that's what he's doing right now in this month. I mean, right now he's averaging 19, but this month in January so far, he's averaging 20.5. Chris, are you saying that the, the top team in the East, uh, top team in each conference doesn't get an extra all-star just because they're that good? I mean, the gosh, the Hawks had four one year where they really didn't have any like legit all like, you know, guys that probably, I mean, the only Kyle Korver was an all-star that year. Like I love Kyle Korver, but come on, like, that's not yeah. yeah. So I think Tobias Harris does have a shot, and yeah, I, I, I mean I it's actually possible. Put, go, wow, go gosh, when you put it like that, Chris. Yeah, no, no I, I mean I think it, he has a legit shot. Yeah, I mean legit. I I don't. I mean the Bucks only had two All Stars, right? I mean it's Giannis and Chris Middleton. It's not like every number one seed gets three or four. I mean Joe and Ben are probably locks, even though Ben hasn't gone on off to the start that some people want. It, it it's hard to get three all stars. Tobias again, I think it's going to cool down at some point. I I don't think putting up big numbers is how he's going to best benefit this team. Like him taking a bunch of shots and going into ISOs is really not his strong suit. So if he continues to play this way, I I don't think the numbers are going to pop off the screen in any particular way. But it's possible. It, it, I'm not saying he can't make an all star team, but I I don't think that's necessarily likely. Well, I mean, important. you know, I'm I'm, I'm going to write about this this week. That that's it. You've inspired me. I'm going to have to write about this this week, and I'm going to analyze who who could who Tobias have the face and the forward spots in the East to really get, get be a lock to be an All Star. And you know, team record plays a big part in this too. So we'll see. But yeah. um, and you hinted at it, Lucas. We're going to talk about Tyrese Maxey to to kind of round out this segment. Obviously, the big storyline was 39 points against the Nuggets when the Sixers were down to seven players and he was playing over 40 minutes in that game. First career start, most points scored by a rookie in their first start since like 1971, I think. So credit to Maxi, that's a pretty big deal. John, how impressed have you been with Maxi so far? I've been very impressed. I think he's an, a stud. I think he's going to be a great role player for the team this year. I wrote an article during the draft about him saying that or right after the draft saying that uh, he could be the next in the long line of the Kentucky guards that get drafted in the first round. And a lot of the Kentucky guards, even though they're drafted relatively high and they're such as Devin Booker, uh, um, Jamal Murray, Tyler Hero, they aren't necessarily when the draft comes considered over the top going to be impact players just because when they play at Kentucky, Coach Cal limits their time. It's it's a very team effort, and you don't get to see these talents on display as much as you would if they had gone to a different college. So I had high expectations. I thought maybe he was one of the underrated people, uh, similar to those that have come before him, and Cal even said that. He said he's happy he's in Philly, but there's going to be people who regret not taking him, and, and I couldn't agree more. I think he's really developing into a great NBA player. So – there are good and bad things, and I know that sounds blasphemous after a 39-point game, but the bad isn't as bad as it sounds when I say bad. It's more of a nitpick than anything else or more of a I want to see more of. Um, but the good is is that – and Uriah recently wrote an article. I think it actually released today. So Uriah props you. I quoted you in the rookie report from that article that Tyrese Maxey looked a little bit like Allen Ivory like – you know, Allen Iverson-esque during that game. And I think that 
he could now not to compare him to you know Allen Iverson because that's not a fair comparison on so many different levels, but I think he could be the next All Star guard, and I say guard in you know loose two terms because technically Ben Simmons is a guard, but you know guy under six five. That could be an all. I, I think he has all star potential. I think this game proves it right here. I mean, granted, he played forty four minutes, but I mean, gosh, he he shot above fifty percent from the field when he was the focal point of an offense. The team, the other team, knew it. They couldn't stop him. Granted, the Nuggets have bad defense to begin with, but still, he shot three of eight from the three point line. That's above thirty five percent. He had seven rebounds, six assists, only two turnovers. Now I saw a stat, and actually, you know, I can tell you how many. So. This season, in a total of 185 minutes, he's only had seven turnovers. That is insane for a rookie, for any player, but especially a rookie that has the ball in his hands in the second unit. Granted, he's not always the primary ball handler, but he's the, he's a de facto point guard when he's on the court most times. And he's not turning the ball over. And he's still he's still learning his jump. He's adding jump shots to his game. He didn't convert any three pointers in the first month of the season. He's already um, he's at, he's made eight three pointers alone in the first five games of this season. So the kid can ball, and he's good defensively. He's strong. He's you know long, strong. He can play make. He's he doesn't he's not prone to mistakes so far in his rookie year. Um, and he can score the ball. He can create around the rim. Now, this is my nitpick thing, and it's not a big deal, but I think it, it, in the long term, it will serve him better if he could add this to his game. You know, in the first, how many games has it been? Ten games? He's only attempted one free throw. Now, maybe he's not getting every call he should, but at the end of the day, when you're scoring in the paint as much as he does, and I know he's crafty and he can avoid contact, but you sh- having 39 points on 33 shots, that's a lot of work. That's James Harden level. But, you know, John- James Harden gets himself to the line a lot. And I would love to see if Maxi can become get to the line more often. Like, that's – if he can get to the line at least, like, five or six times a game moving forward. I mean, I don't expect him to get that many shot attempts. But let's just say once he becomes a regular rotation guy or even a starter, which I think he could – you know, maybe maybe not this year, but next year should be considered it for the starting role. I think he needs to get to the foul line a lot more. But overall, you can't complain. He's a he's a good decision maker. He doesn't turn the ball over. He can score. He can. He's a quick athlete. And like like Jonathan said, he he looks like a steal. One of those um, Kentucky guards that didn't get drafted in the top five, but could still end up being a steal in the draft. He's looking to be one of the steals. This is draft is actually looking to be very good considering that the rookies did not get a lot of time to begin the year. So he's one of the bright spots of this draft for sure. And I think he has all-star potential. And I think this game proves it right here. I don't want to say anything too, too mean. Obviously, it's been a great start for Tyrese. He, he looks like a rotation piece. You said future all-star possibly, Lucas. I, I think that's possible. I think... Not many 20-year-olds can drop 39, even under the unusual circumstances that, you know, in the Denver game, that's pretty rare. That's pretty impressive. Um, Very efficient. His passing looks a lot better than it did at Kentucky. Like you said, John, Kentucky doesn't always showcase its freshman talent as well as it could. 
Yeah, he looks great. I, I will say, Lucas, you made a great point about the free throws. Maxi still needs to take a lot of shots to score a lot of points. Um, a lot of floaters, he's abnormally good at those floaters, and they seem to be a pretty good shot for him. But he, he will, in time, I think, need to embrace contact more, draw those fouls, and the three-point shot is still a concern. He's still passing up a lot of open looks in favor of drives to the rim, which hasn't hurt him a ton yet. He's super quick, and it normally works out for him. But at some point, defenses are going to adjust and key in, especially if his role gets bigger, and, and that's maybe where he might run into some trouble. So there there are negatives. He, he hasn't been perfect. I, I think some people have maybe, maybe hyped him up a little bit too much. He, he's still rough around the edges defensively. He hasn't been that good. But the, the early signs are great. Obviously, he's the 21st pick. He missed, he missed a good chunk of training camp. Very short timeline for the rookies this summer. This offseason wasn't the summer. It was the winter. But, yeah, the early signs are great, and I, I think he's going to be a really special player. Well, Chris, I will uh, ease your concern about three-point shooting this month, not on the season, but for January. He's attempted 3.4 per game. Granted, eight of those, he attempted eight in that Denver game, but still in the other in the other four games, he attempted two, three, zero, and that's when he late played 11 minutes, and then four against the Nets. So, like, he's attempting more. Like I know he's talking about the first month of the season, yeah, he's passing them up, but now he's he's embracing that shot. Yeah, I mean he's taking more. I think he's moving in the right direction, but it it still seems like a pretty inconsistent option, and it's something he's going to have to get better with. So I think it's Uriah's time, Uriah. Now you you came up with this idea. This was your baby. We implemented it. So take it away, buddy. Yeah. So everybody listening out there, last week. I couldn't help but notice how there were many former Sixers who are doing big things across the league. So this observation made me go to Lucas and Chris, and and we conferred about the idea uh, that I had, and we agreed upon to have it's like a like a fun fantasy GM type of activity, and we wanted to get Sixers fans engaged on our social media. So this week, what we actually did is we had an ongoing Twitter poll where Sixers sense followers had a chance to keep or swap former Sixers for current Sixers. So we just thought it'd be interesting to see what fans would think about, um, uh, what fans think about who we have on the roster now versus who we had in the past. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have Lucas, Chris, and John choose between two players for each poll that we had, and I will read who the fans chose on Twitter. At the end, I'll reveal what the team would look like if we reconstructed the roster based on the results from our loyal Sixers and followers. All right. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. All right. So so we started toward like the like the back end of the bench and we're leading up to obviously their all-stars. So uh, we'll start with um, Dakota Mathias versus TJ McConnell. Who would you rather have? Let's go with John first. I'm going to go TJ. I'll go TJ, but Dakota's making this harder at the, at the end of this week versus the beginning of this week. But, yeah, I'll go TJ. Yeah, I think it's McConnell for me too. So, and the Sixersons followers out of 411 votes, 76% of our followers said TJ McConnell. Much love to TJ. Moving right along, this is interesting. We have Jaleel Okafor, the beloved Jaleel Okafor, or Paul Reed. John, who are you going with? 
Paul Reed. I'm going Okafor. Paul Reed. Lucas, real quick, why'd you pick uh, Jaleel? Okay, so I have a soft spot for back-to-the-basket scores, and I always <laughs> thought Jaleel got a raw deal when he came here because the expectation was that they were going to trade him eventually. So the, he never really had any staying power in the first place, so I feel bad for him. And if, I, if I'd if i rather have you know a bona fide guy that I know on any given night could give me like 20 and 8 versus a raw prospect, I'd rather have Okafor. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So the I will six... say that counting on Okafor to give you twenty and eight is, is a pretty risky bet. But as the fourteenth yeah. man, but as the fourteenth man on your roster, if he can come out and occasionally, if you need him to, to give you like fourteen and eight, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, but he's like hasn't been able to do that consistently yet in his career. It's yeah, but I'm just saying on any given it. night. I'm not saying like consistently. I'm just saying he he. Gave, I, I understand. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, season. I can't believe I'm calling him a seasoned vet, but he's a he's a vet for inverted rookie. I mean, I'd rather, you know what I mean? Especially just because I know Paul Reed needs a lot of work still. Well, I think it was a matter of him changing his diet. I think he became a vegan or something. But anyway, it's all about what the Sixer Sense fans felt, and they feel as though that 63% of the people who voted. They said Paul Reed over Jaleel Okafor. <laughs> All right, the next pair, let's go. Who would you rather have, Isaiah Joe or Ish Smith? This is tough. Ish Smith. Isaiah Joe. Yeah, that's tough. I'm, I'm going to go with upside and say Joe. Hmm. Well, uh, 52%. This is one of the tightest races, and we had 242 people chime in. 52% of Sixer Sense followers said Isaiah Joe. They'd rather keep him as opposed to bringing back Ish Smith, who's doing not bad in Washington, but I think people are looking toward the future with Joe. Mm-hmm. All right. This one should be a no-brainer. Um, so we have uh, – who would you rather have? Dwight Howard – or Nerlens Noel? Dwight Howard. Dwight. Nerlens. What? what? <laughs> oh. Okay, okay, Chris. Chris explain. is the contrarian right now. Mm-hmm. What? Explain, explain yourself. Nerlens is younger and probably better. <laughs> no, he's he, he might be more Guys, athletic. But let, Dwight but, has but, not Chris, been but, good this season. Let's no, he's been straight. good as a... He has been a great been, leader. He has been just a foul magnet and not very good defensively. Like we can be honest with ourselves. I, I, I think I think you're being biased here, Chris. And the other we, thing is, I, I've loved having you know, him. On the okay, team. tell me this. He's tell fun me this. To watch if if Noel was on the team, he would be punished by bigger centers. He would be punished. Absolutely. Well, we're playing Joe 33 minutes a game. He's the backup. That's fine. I nah nah. Dwight gonna, is getting punished by quicker centers. It, yeah, but then we can go the small ball. There's nobody that you can go to if you have no Nerlens. Who are you going to go to? Tony Bradley to body up bigger centers? No, Nerlens is if not. You, if you have Dwight, you can go small ball and go with like heck Ben Simmons or Mike Scott at the five, which I wouldn't suggest, but you could, so that you know, you know. Um, Dwight's not exposed on defensively because, like, quicker, you know, centers or perimeter-based centers. Guys, 
Noel is on a minimum contract, right? Isn't he? I think he's. I don't know. So is Howard. Howard's on a minimum contract. Yeah, I under. So it's a similar contract. He's nine years younger. He's a better defender, and he's nine years younger. Like, <laughs> come on! I don't think this is that controversial. Well, if that's the case, then the Sixers should keep uh, should keep Ben Simmons over over Harden, but. We're not going to go there. The Chris, if we're using <laughs> if we're using that same. logic, that is not the same, isn't it? Though, no, that's not that number is a better two, defender. That Simmons is a better defender than center. James Harden, Chris. I mean, if we're using no, that as an excuse for Noel, that's like comparing apples to oranges. That's I know, but you no, know, I not tease you about this. And thank okay. you, Uriah, for that comparison. The correct answer is Noel. I just want to hear. What the, I want to hear what the poll says. So the poll said, "Thank you, Jonathan." Out of four hundred forty-eight votes, the majority of the Sixers Sense fans said, "I'm sorry." The Sixers fans who followed the Sixers Sense said, "Dwight Howard." They would rather have Dwight Howard at an eighty-eight percent rate. So that's my thought. They have spoken. Yep. Sorry, Chris, you're in the minority right now. All right. Okay. And it's all right. You, you can redeem yourself. There's plenty of time. Hey, so I mean, the next one I thought fun. would be the next one I thought would be a little bit closer. Uh, I thought it was interesting. So we have two players that were actually here at the same time, and they both play a very similar uh, uh, similar role. And that would be James Ennis versus Mike Scott. Jonathan, who who would you rather keep or have? Yeah, this is one of the tougher ones because, like you said, they they pretty much have a similar role on the team when they were here together. But I'm going to go uh, Mike Scott, the regional manager. See, now I'm going to have to actually go James Ennis here. Yeah, I think it's Ennis. Yeah, someone tell tell me why Ennis. Though I'm curious. That's who I would have picked. But what do you think? Okay, Lucas? I, I, I'll 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 go first, and then I'll if I miss anything, Chris, uh, clean it up for click like p- plug in anything else. But it's He's a better defender, and he provides offensive rebounding. That that I mean, in their three point percentages, they they're both kind of you know streaky at points in the season. So, yeah, I'm gonna go with Ennis just because he's more ver- defensive versatile. He brings a, a, another defensive uh, dimension of his game with the offensive rebounding for a wing, which is he's actually underrated in that regard, and. He's, you know, he's a little bit more athletic and he's and he's younger and he's, you know, defensively, I think that's that's what the Sixers need. Yeah, I mean, Mike Scott has brought a lot of joy to a lot of fans and I don't want to discredit that, but mm-hmm. he, he's not very good, frankly. I mean, he's a pretty one dimensional <laughs> shooter and he hasn't been that consistent a shooter um, outside that first stretch, that first uh, stretch after he got traded. I mean, it's been pretty rough for him. He's. Again, Ennis is a pretty good defender. Scott's not a very good defender. And offensively, while Ennis may not shoot with the same volume, he, he can hit those spot-up jumpers. He does more as a slasher and a driver, offensive rebounding and effort plays, as Lucas hinted to. So uh, I, I think it's Ennis. Plus, he's on a better contract. So so here, here are the results. And after 518 votes, the Sixers Sense followers felt as though Mike Scott, they would rather have Mike Scott on the Sixers at 61%. So it's the hive. The hive did it. The hive. The yeah. Wow. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. The next one here's an interesting one. Uh, we recently had a, a, a player leave in the offseason. He was traded. 
and uh, we'll see what people think in terms of if they want him back. So we'd have to um, to take Josh Richardson back. We would have to give up Furkan Korkmaz. So who would you rather have, Jonathan? Korkmaz or Richardson? It's Richardson, but uh, I just wanted to put in here that I'm one of the biggest Furkan fans. So uh, I think I still think Richardson's the right move, but Furkan is close to my heart. Well, uh, not this summer, but last summer I was calling Cork Miles a bust. So while I think he's definitely improved, uh, it's the easy choices Richardson here. Yeah, I mean, Furkan's a, a pretty solid backup, but Richardson's a, a, an above average starter when he's on. So I'll, I'll say Richardson too. And we have a consensus here 62% of the people who participated in this poll said that Josh Richardson is a sixer who they would hope to have back, but we'd have to give up Korkmaz, so happy trails, Korkmaz. All right, next one. This one kind of broke my heart, but anyway. <laughs> uh, we went back to one of the original process sixers. He was given a shot. He made the most of it, and uh, he's no longer here, but the two players that we're debating right now is Robert Covington or Matisse Thibel? John? I'm going Rocco. Rocco. Covington. See, all you guys, you, you don't know <laughs> you don't know basketball. I'm just saying, you guys, you know, this old old head has to school you guys. No, I'm just joking. But all right. <laughs> You guys uh, happen to be in favor of Covington, and guess what? So do the Sixers Sense followers. 79%. This is astounding to me. 79% of you out there said you want Covington back versus Thibel. And I would probably say that Covington is better right now. So I, I see where everybody's coming from, but I'm telling you, give Matisse another year or two. Give him some minutes. Uriah, if uh, I feel like – if all of us have been in the arena and re- when Covington was here not that long ago, and if you were in the arena, there's no chance that I would think it was 79%. People used to hate on him so hard, but I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, I've been to some of those games and I was booing as well. Cause you know, he's probably one of the streakiest shooters I've ever seen, but he is an outstanding defender and I'll, I'll give him that. So moving right I along, think he's a little bit more versatile too because he can guard more positions. Matisse, because he's only six five, he, he can't get the far, you know, guard bigs where Covington could. So I think yeah. that's, I think that's that's that plus the three point shooting. Yeah, his range is is pretty way out there, and I, I think I think I did an article, and he ended up being one of the top three-point shooters. I think the second most in the history of the franchise behind Allen Iverson. But I think anyway, in terms of makes, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yep. All right, the next one, the next one, guys, had the most votes. So check. I, I don't doubt that one. So, um, and it it was just bad timing because one of these players was having a pretty decent year, and then he got hurt. So we're gonna go. Tyrese Maxey versus Markel Fultz. And there's a lot of people online comparing the two, and and it really translates in a lot of different ways. But, Jonathan, obviously, I think we all know everyone's answer. Maxey or Fultz? Maxey. Maxey. Yeah, I don't want to be mean to Markel because <laughs> I think he's a 
really solid player. He's probably he's he's a better player right now, and I think he's going to be a good player for a long time once he gets back. But uh, I think Maxi's the pick here. Yep, and Chris, so does the uh, people who took the poll. Ninety percent, ninety percent of the people Ooh. who took the poll said they'd rather have Tyrese Maxi. So we are definitely moving on from faults. All right, the next one we have. Uh, Two Sixers, who I think they were here at the same time. I'm sure you'll correct me if I'm wrong. We have yeah, Shake Milton. We have Shake Milton, and we have Landry Shamit. Who would you rather have, Jonathan? Shake. It was actually a lot closer for me than it probably was for a lot of people, but I'm going to say Shake. Shake. Yeah. I tell you what, though, if we would have had this poll at the beginning of that season when Shamit like blossomed very unexpectedly. I think a lot of people would have said Shamit. Um what the hell what the hell happened to him? He was in at LA and now he's in in Brooklyn. What happened to him? Yeah, there was a three team deal between Brooklyn, uh LA and Detroit that sent Kennard to the uh, LA. But um the, the main thing that happened to him is that for some reason other teams aren't using him the way that Brett Brown used him. And they're using him primarily just as a um, spot-up shooter, which he was a point guard in college. So it's kind of surprising that people aren't using his playmaking ability. But, yeah, yeah, he's being – and he he's had some cold spells. And last season, I think he dealt with some injuries. So okay. I think that hurt him too. All right. Yeah, and I think an underrated part of that is he got to play behind J.J. Redick here. He's a pretty good teacher mm-hmm. when you play the type of role that Shaman does. And – Mm-hmm. He maybe hasn't had the same opportunities elsewhere. All right. All right. So, and if we go to the results, we had 87% of Sixer fans who took the poll. They said they want to keep Shake Melton. Sorry, Landry, you're out. All right. Next one. Who would you rather have, Dario Sarich or Danny Green? Danny Green. Sarich. Yeah. I mean, in, in context of the. This roster, I think it's Danny Green. This one was a tight one, guys. Out of 429 votes, 54% said Dario Saric. That's right. Dario. Super Dario. I think Chris's point was very important, though. That was the reason I chose Danny. It was with the current roster construction, I think it has to go Danny Green. Well, okay. In the vacuum... Darius Sarge is probably a better player than Danny Green at this point, even though he's a backup in Phoenix. Yeah. Um, but I guess it depends on, you know, if you have Dario on this team, you can play him at the four or the five, because that's what Phoenix is doing right now. They're playing him as essentially the backup center, and the, he's doing pretty well there, actually. Defensively, not great as a backup center, but small ball five, playmaking, shooting, He's doing great in that role. Sixers could obviously use Dario as a 4-5 combo. He's on a pretty good contract, too. So I think it's a tough call, but I mean, I think it's close, but I I just, I think it's a toss-up in terms of how the team could use him. Use use him versus Green, so I just went with the better talent in that regard, and I think that's what a lot of people did. All right, and the results were. Oh wait, I gave the results. So sorry. yes, moving right along. The next one we have two very similar players with 
very similar skill sets. And I bet you if we would have asked this question and gave this poll back in December, I think it probably would have went the other way um, in terms of the former player who used to play for us. So here we go, Jonathan. Seth Curry or J.J. Redick? I'm going J.J., but if I'm in the minority here, I might need to explain myself. I'm going to go Curry, and it's just because I think we're going to see him unlocked once he's back healthy. And, you know, I I honestly think he could be a 20-point-per-game scorer if, if Doc Rivers can unlock that in him, which I think he can. I think he could be a 20-point-per-game scorer. If if he allow gives him that the reins to do that, I think with Ben Simmons and Joel and B creating, you know, sucking in the defense, I think he can be. So I think that's possible. And that's why and he's younger. So I mean not by much because he's like 30, but still I think you gotta really consider Seth here. Yeah, I mean if again if we're factoring age into this, I know I just picked Danny Green over Dario, but I mean, I think it's Seth, but with the caveat that I don't think JJ gets the respect that he kind of deserves. I mean, he was a really important part of those Sixer teams. Uh, oh, yeah, he was. Like, JJ kicked butt when he was in Philly. He he was really, mm-hmm. really good, and I don't think he quite gets the credit that he deserves. But uh, he, I will reluctantly doesn't. side with Seth here. Yeah, it's a reluctant thing for sure. Yeah, so the reason I was going J.J., I know age, obviously, but that uh, J.J. and Embiid pick and roll was probably the most unstoppable thing I've seen in the NBA other than like a Ben Simmons fast break. J.J. Yeah, and, it literally and, was unstoppable. You're right. They could, No one could guard it, and they ran it perfectly. They had such good chemistry, and I think Seth and Joel can obviously get to run a form of that. But I, I just think that J.J. and, and Embiid had such chemistry that it was it was perfect. Well, the difference between J.J. and Curry is that J.J. can shoot off balance. Curry still, he can, but not as if quite as proficiently as, as Reddick could, could, can. So I think that's the big difference there. Well, the consensus, um, actually, the majority of the people who voted feel as though the current Sixer who's really been on fire until COVID hit, Seth Curry got 89% of the vote. And that's over three hundred. Wow! Votes. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I picked Curry, but that's ridiculous. Yeah, it, sh- it should be closer. Yeah. All right, the next one. All right, um, this one former Sixer has been on fire. He went to a new team over over the off season, and our own Sixer, who's here now, he's been on fire too, having a great season. So, Jonathan, we're going to go with two power forwards here. Our current Sixer, Tobias Harris, or former Sixer, Jeremy Grant? Tobias Harris. It, it's, gosh, this is such a tough one because I have to think about how Grant would fit with Ben and Joel. And the part of the reason why he was traded is because he wasn't going to fit well with Ben and Joel because he's not a, a consistent threat from three-point land. So I'm going to have to go with Tobias, but Gosh, I it's hard for me to say which one's the better player right now. I think fit wise Tobias just makes a little bit more sense. I'm gonna go with Jeremy Grant, who is attempting seven point three threes a game this season and is a 
10 times better on defense and who is on a half the making half the money that Tobias is making. Well, how much, how many, how, what's his converting percent on those three pointers though, Chris? It's 36 right now. It was 39 the past two seasons. He's taking seven a game, which I is probably pretty close, if not more than what Tobias is taking. And again, he's like a significantly better defender on a significantly better contract. I, I don't think it's mm-hmm. hard at all. Like I know Tobias. Actually, had you a know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna change my vote. I'm gonna go Jeremy Grant. But Tobias gosh, is, this is a tough call. Yeah, Tobias has yeah. had a great week, and it has soothed a lot of people's feelings about him. Apparently, but if we can just erase the past week from everyone's minds, I think it'd be pretty solidly in Grant's favor. So the results from the poll: seventy-one uh, percent of Sixer cents. Followers said Tobias Harris. They want to keep keep Tobias. All right, so now question, gets, Chris, uh, real, real quick, Chris. Yeah. Chris, what is what is Jeremy Grant averaging per game right now? Twenty four points a game. I know that 23, 24 points a game. No way. Maybe even more. I think. Is he playing small forward or power forward? He's playing small forward next to Blake and Plumley. He's averaging 24.8 points per game, 6.4 rebounds, shooting 46% from the field, 36 from deep, 86.5% from the free throw line. Is that sustainable for him? I mean, no one else is going to take those shots in Detroit, so probably. (laughs) What would he be averaging? Would he be averaging like 13 like he was last year with the Nuggets? That's fine. That's probably more beneficial than what Tobias has given them up until this past week. Again, defense is a big part of this. I know Harris has, again, had a good week on defense, but if we go past that week in history, it's been a pretty dicey, you know. Jeremy Grant's a comparably talented player on a much better contract, so I think it's him. Well, speaking of defense, these next two players are are pretty well known for their defense, and uh, they're very polarizing players. And you probably know who I'm talking about. He left here to go to a nice warmer climate and be in Florida, talking no one other than Jimmy Butler, versus the all-time polarizing figure, Ben Simmons. Uh, Jonathan, who would you rather have, Jimmy Buckets or Ben Simmons? Give me Ben. Gosh, this is a tough one, but they both have been bad offensively this year. I think Jimmy's averaging, what, 10 points a game right now? Granted, some of that's probably finals hangover, just exhausted, but, I mean, he's getting old. He's in his mid-30s now. He's not getting any younger. Um well, I think if this question was posed last season, it would easily probably be Jimmy. But well, I'm going to go Ben here, but I don't feel good about it. I think we need to stop putting so much stock into one week of basketball. Like, Jimmy scored 26 <laughs> the past two games. He had a couple rough games and an injury. He's going to be fine. He's a top 10 player. The answer is Jimmy Butler. I knew Chris was going to say that. I think I, I would the go correct answer. I would I would go Butler too. But guess what, guys? Our Twitter followers said by a sixty-eight percent vote, Ben Simmons. They want to keep Ben, and 
32% said uh, Butler. So Ben stays. And the last question, I know some people think this is probably the most absurd question, but if you haven't been watching or seeing what's going on in Houston, uh, you clearly don't know what we're missing in terms of who used to be on the Sixers. Matter of fact, I think this guy, um, someone tweeted about his play that Brett Brown could not see what he saw that he was. It was Tony. Really it was Tony Roden. Right. Tony, Tony Roden. Roden. So he gave a quote about his former teammate, Christian Wood. And I know this is ridiculous, but I had to put They were the only two players like really doing really well right now at the same position. So the choices, Jonathan, are Christian Wood or Joel Embiid. Yeah, the answer is Embiid, but Christian Wood has been absolutely balling, and it's it's unbelievable that he couldn't get any time when he was here. Yeah, it's Joel Embiid, but let me tell you guys something. I was a big Christian Wood fan when he was here, both stints. I really don't think the franchise gave him a chance. Now, granted, some of that was on Wood because he wasn't mature enough. He wasn't taking, you know, he wasn't being a constant professional all the time. But the talent was there. Um he got his first real shot with the Pelicans Detroit. He kind of blossomed last year, this year he's on pace to get uh, most improved player of the year. He's averaging, I think a ridiculous tw- 23 and 10. And I mean, he's, he's not great defensively. I think he's still negative in that regard. Correct me if I'm wrong, but offensively he's exactly what you would ask for in a true prototypical all-star big man today in today's NBA. Yeah. Uh, the, the pick is indeed Christian Wood has been great, but yeah, Joe, Joe is Joe. So yeah, Joe is Joe. As simple as that. It's Joel Embiid by far. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So that, that ends this unique segment where we gave, Six or Sense fans a chance to look back in time and if they had a chance to swap, um, they had that opportunity through this poll. So here's what the roster looks like uh, after the poll. Uriah, yeah. Uriah mm-hmm. you, you forgot to tell us the results of the Embiid and Wood. Oh, God. Uh, 90, 95% said Embiid. Oh, wow. Sorry about that, guys. No, you're good. I figured it would be something like that. Yeah. I was it was, yeah. I'd really Very. like to talk to the 5%. <laughs> Just see what's going on there. Yeah, sit down and grab a beer with them. Let's have them on the pod. They're they're probably true process uh, traditionalists, right there. You should reach out to one of them and put them on the podcast. I wish I wish I knew who they were. Um, but anyway, uh, once we post the podcast, maybe we'll we'll ask them to to reach out. But all right, so here are the results. If you were to close your eyes and imagine a new roster. Based on the poll, there are only four new additions uh, to this roster, players who used to be here. And here's what the current roster would look like after our imaginary redraft or whatever you want to call it, transactions. So we have TJ McConnell, Paul Reed, Isaiah Joe, Dwight Howard, Mike Scott, Josh Richardson, Robert Covington, Tyrese Maxey, Shake Milton, Dario Saric, Seth Curry, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid. Is that a championship team or what? Come on. Squad. <laughs> Would be if Jimmy was on it. Oh. Chris will never let that well, Chris, Chris, let me ask you this right now. If Miami offered Jimmy Butler for Ben Simmons, would you do it? Mm. <laughs> uh, mm. I, yeah. What? Wow. I, I don't do know. What? I don't want to commit to that answer. But I 
I don't know, man. It's <laughs> you got to change your home address, man. People are going to yeah, come after you. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, you're, I, I had to ask. Uh, Look, I love Ben. I, I, I think I've been pretty vocal in my appreciation of Ben on this podcast. Chris, okay, I want you. Okay, to, maybe I would trade him for Jimmy straight up. Obviously, <laughs> he's not James Harden, but it's not something that would be egregious. Okay, so let me – okay, Chris, you know what you need to do because you've said this before. You would trade Ben Simmons for maybe five players in the NBA. Can you do an article this week about what five players you would trade Ben Simmons for? Because okay. I am curious now because mm-hmm. I did yeah, not think be Jimmy Butler was going to make that okay. list. Yeah, I would. I definitely would read that article, definitely. I, mm-hmm. okay. So this is the last segment, guys. This is our social media question of the week, and it was – how would you describe Seth Curry's impact on the Sixers this season? If I go to Twitter, there wasn't as much activity on Twitter as Facebook, but I'll just go to Twitter. Uh, Jackson or at Jackie Jared 428 said, besides Embiid and Simmons, he has the largest impact on the team, in my opinion. And he said his impact is huge. All right. Let me go to Facebook. All right, there's a, I have a nice string of, of responses. I'll just read a few of them. Uh, Alan Pomerantz says, excellent. We don't need Harden. Stephen Berrien said, match. <laughs> Stephen Berrien said, match made in heaven. Brian Davenport said, he's balling. Uh, let's see. Uh, Frank Nadell said, I know one. I know one name, at least, he looked like Steph Curry. At least one game, he looked like Steph Curry. Uh, so there's a lot of praise for Curry, obviously. So let's go to Jonathan. What, what do you think his impact has been on the team? I think it's been the floor spacing is what's easiest to see. And I'm hopeful that he can get to a somewhat close to what JJ and uh, Embiid had. But the shooting frees him up. To, like Embiid not being able to get – doubled or if they do it frees him up too so he's helping space the floor and also benefiting by the attention that's given to ben and joel chris you can go next i'll go last yeah i mean i I tend to agree where he's pretty much the most important person on this team other than joe and ben i mean no no shade to tobias but like curry like jj who's the third most important player on those teams opens up so much for Joe, who is obviously the focal point of everything Philly does, and he opens up a lot for Ben, too, with the shooting. Um, again, like you said, John, the chemistry isn't quite where it was with JJ, but we're already seeing development there. Joe has found Curry with a lot of nice passes that he really hasn't been making in the past. Uh, I mean, I think Joe's passing just on an aside is, has been huge this season. And, yeah, I mean, he's going to be big all season long once he gets healthy again it's just been a really positive start for him so i think you guys brought up some good points that he's he's definitely outside of ben joel he he pulls the most gravity from opposing defenses to him like he's just such a threat and he's such a high efficiency at it like you said chris if he shoots like he's the one of the best shooters in the league then i think he can average 20 points per game. He's already averaging 17 points per game this season. And this, this, uh, 
past three games alone, he's actually four games alone, he's averaged over 20 points per game. So the guy can the guy can score. Like he I truly believe that he can obviously not be on his brother's level, but he can definitely be a 20 point per game scorer if given the right shot attempts. Let me put this to you this way, guys. If he shoots over um, 10 shots per game, he's done that four times this season. Three times he scored over 20 points. So if he gets over 10 shots per game, it's he has a good chance of getting 20 points. So I, I think he's just... And I think his playmaking is underrated too. I mean, he's averaging around 3.6 assists a game. That's not bad. That's a career high for him by large. And it's not affecting his scoring at all. So that's, we we knew he was going to get unleashed this year. And I don't think anybody was ready to see him play as well as he has thus far. And I think once he comes back healthy from the ankle injury and the uh, COVID, I think as long as you know the COVID doesn't have any lingering effects, I think he'll probably pick up right where he left off. Yeah, we can only hope, right? Mm-hmm. All right, I would just uh, I just want to say I've had clarity of mind. It, it has come to me. I I would trade Ben for Jimmy. You would <laughs> outrageous. It's not no. okay. Explain your thoughts and explain what type of package you would what the trade you, would look like. You asked in your mind. if I would trade Ben for Jimmy straight up one for one. If that were possible, I would do it. Wow. Okay. I'm assuming this is to maximize the Sixers' potential to win a title, but of course. Okay. What other reason would there be? Okay, so I mean, what look, is your price? Do we think Jimmy is a, a top ten player? No, I think he's not a top ten player. I think he's really? a top fifteen. After seeing, really? after seeing him in the, finals, the finals? in the finals, that dude is top ten. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I guess if we're talking in the playoffs, I think I'm thinking regular season right now. But I guess in the playoffs, yes, he's a top ten player for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, the playoffs is what matters. Do we think Jimmy is a top ten playoff player? I think he's a top five playoff player. Okay, I don't think you, you wouldn't trade him for that. But okay, hang on, let me look this up real quick. He's not a top. He's not a top ten player. He plays incredible in the playoffs, but I don't think you can separate the two. If you're thinking about, I, I mean, and Ben's way younger, seven years younger. I understand. He's thirty-one it, years old, so he's Harden's age. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I Chris, trade Chris, Ben you're for need to write too. something to justify this this opinion on this podcast. I, 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 I hope Hello, Chris. Something. I don't think it's some crazy opinion, Chris. I'm on your I'm side. Alone. I'm trying to maximize the years that Embiid has left, which is not as many as Simmons. And who knows when Ben is going to be able to shoot, if he will at all. So I, I would, I would maximize that and put put Butler would next. Miami to him. do that trade? That's what I'm thinking. I don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> think they would. And I think that's maybe saying something. <laughs> yep. If we look at it from the other perspective, would you trade Jimmy Butler for Ben Simmons if you're Miami? I don't think you would. Yeah, I would. Really? Mm. I don't know if I would. Maybe. Ben does a lot of the same stuff that Ben does. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get too far off on this tangent, but who's who's the best player y'all could think of that you wouldn't trade Ben for? Before we get that real quick, I just want to – 
Are we talking about pure talent? Or are we oh, talking about that John talks? John wants to say something. I just before we get to that part, I just like it's known that Jimmy Butler is a walking bucket, and he has ice in his veins in the playoffs. He's a beast, but I think we have seen his ceiling, and I don't think we've seen Ben's ceiling. That's the only that's where I go. I think we know what Jimmy is at his best, and yeah, Ben's been in the league four or five years now, but we I I still don't think we've seen a ceiling. Yeah, I mean. I, I think it would be interesting to see how Ben looks with a different team, but I really, at this point, I'm getting more and more doubtful of him like taking that leap yeah. that so many people expected him to. I, I just think Ben is who he is at this point, and that's like a, a top 20 guide to me. I, I really think Ben's a great player. I'm not trying to undersell his talent, but I, I really don't know if he's going to take that next step. He just has too many too many critical flaws in, in areas that really kind of hold him back, so I... John, thanks for coming on. We, we really appreciate you being as constant a guest as you have been since since the podcast has started. So do you want to tell people where they can read your work, where they can follow you, uh, stuff like that? Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I, I always love coming on. It's a good time talking with you guys. Um, I, all my articles are up on the Sixer Sense, Jonathan Guy, and I'm on Instagram at Don't Kill My Guy 7 All right. So, uh, of course, we all recommend that you go read John's work on the site. He does great stuff every time. And we really appreciate all the listeners for tuning in every week. If you're listening on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you're coming from, leave a review. Leave us a rating if you can. We really appreciate it. It would really help us out. And we should have some exciting content coming up over the next few weeks. A lot of uncertainty with the Sixers team right now, but a lot to talk about as well. So we'll talk to you all next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.